That's possible. Sounds good. That's always like the best, man. So anyways, brother, how are you? I'm doing good, man. Yeah? Stands at your backyard? Yeah, just chilling in my backyard. Today I had the day off, so it's just relaxing. Had a good time. That's cool. That's really cool, man. So really quick, I kind of just wrote some notes because uh, I know you had two essential questions in, in fallibility and inerrancy. And then you gave me those two songs. So I felt like we were going to kind of, uh, that's kind of what you wanted to chat about, right? Kind of the songs. They just, um, I feel like they just set up how my mindset, you know, I, I feel like I, um, a way that I communicate uh, with God is through music and th that's all kinds of music. So sometimes yeah. it's, it's an album and it like awakens some part in my mindset and gives me, uh, yeah, it just gives me insight. Very cool. Very cool, man. Well, well, hello, everybody. This is Scotty Hines. This is another episode of Bear With Me. Uh, Diego Blakely is joining me, crushing that Modelo right there. And um, something a little different. For those of you who do follow the, the podcast that I've been putting out there, you know it's just a journey. Um, I'm just kind of growing with y'all. And so there's no structure, uh, no, no uh, set structure. However, maybe stumbled on a little bit of gold last week when I podcasted with Joe. And, uh, and then I'm um, uh, shooting forward, Diego joined a group of us and we were going through the book of Galatians. We started something on Tuesday night and uh, he just mentioned, I don't know if you were intentional about it, but uh, it really rang to me. You said that I feed off of people's energy really well. And, um, and I actually, I was like, dude, cause I've been wrestling like, okay, I like my podcast, but it's, I have a hard time getting the full Scotty involved. And um, you'll notice I'll kind of like pause and I'm not feeding off anyone. And when you said that, I was like, dang, dude, be able to spot on. Because I've been asking, like, how can I just make it a little more entertaining? A little more, um, you know, the content I don't have an issue with. And actually, I'm not trying to be entertaining. Um, but I do think when you have a great dialogue, it can entertain and um, you can get, get more out of it. So, yeah. Just, um, that, yeah, that, that's 100%. And any podcast that I listen to, it's, it's really hard for uh, someone to kind of just carry it away by themselves, but you always kind yeah. of, somebody else's perspective always helps give you a new perspective and feed off. Yeah, and I do notice cats that do have like, uh, they could carry a load. Um, um, it's usually like very uh, niche podcasts. Like for instance, I can listen to Chael Sonnen talk about MMA, but he's kind of like talking to us because it's a niche. Like you and I are not, I mean, yes, there's going to be a, a family God element to what we talk about, but ultimately like we're, we're going down avenues as we feel free. You know, we could touch politically, we could touch emotionally music, you know, we're going to go down multiple avenues. And I feel like I could be wrong. I'm not exposed to a whole lot of podcasting, but there is a lot of, uh, I do notice the ones that I listen to that are just one guy rambling. It's usually a niche, you know, it's just like one thing, 30 minutes long, you know, and uh, it's pretty cool, man. So, you look tired, man. You good? Oh, no. Yeah, no. Just, just relaxing. You just in chill mode? Yeah, a little, uh, a little, a little, yeah, a little chilled out. A little chilled out, huh? Very cool. You should invite me over. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> I know, right? I know you would. You'd have me over. Do you live solo? Uh, tell me your, uh, your living situation to give you a mind. Um, no, uh, so my girlfriend, um, Heidi, lives with, uh, lives here. okay and then i have the girls um 
a little bit less than half the time, but given the circumstances, been a lot more. Um, so they have their own room, and it's just this little apartment in Escondido, right off the freeway. And I got a little yard, um, and I just got a lot of sunlight and a lot of plants. I'm a big plant person, so it's kind of perfect for me. Nice, man. Nice. So, for those of you who don't know, Diego, how would I describe Diego? Let's see. Definitely a friend. Definitely someone that I appreciate. Um, definitely had a season where I got close with. Uh, have a unique, I would say in my, in my ministry tenure, uh, Diego was around for a, a solid two-year window that I really, really admire. I'd say 18 months, two years? How long was that little run? I know my run at College Avenue was, was like three years in total. Um, yeah, it, it was pretty, I feel like it was pretty much the whole run um, of College Avenue. Even when I wasn't going there, we still had a connection, not only through pools, but then me and you did, we'd meet individually, uh, trying to meet like once a week and get breakfast. And That's right, uh, huh? No, that didn't that come after? That came after because I started uh, running Brian's Pools Maintenance. You got hired. Yeah. And then, uh, then we started like doing some discipleship stuff. We were trying to meet like at Starbucks in La Mirada. Yeah, exactly. Ah, that um, was cool. Um, yeah, that yeah. was fun, man. Yeah, those are good times. Yeah, that was that throughout the whole time at College Avenue. It was a unique time for me and for the staff that was, you know, involved with like Travis because we had seen so many different like iterations and generations of that church. Like we literally grew up uh, as infants in that church to were yeah. there leading with you and seeing how like the youth group that we were a part of and those like crazy times where the like the youth was like crazy it had a lot of kids coming to it for um, sure and yeah yeah it's good times i always try to uh, liken that time to um like jason the the pastor before me you know he's kind of um he's kind of your upper middle class cat blue eyes blonde hair right and uh, he had all the kids north of second street right all the nice homes of lucerna kids <laughs> It took yeah. me all of about three to six months for to alienate all of them. We got the youth group down to two people, and then all the little the little kids from the the Cal High and uh, the ghetto kids. We got all the little essays started rolling to the youth all group. The unincorporated and, uh, kids, unincorporated witty kids. Yeah, dude, I remember one time just sitting, uh, uh, just looking at the crowds of kids, and I remember someone saying, "How would we have so many cholos in our church?" <laughs> and I just remember. Uh, I just remember telling Jason, hey, careful what you're getting here. <laughs> I'm not sure you're right, dude. <laughs> but uh, that was a fun time, man. I really appreciate that time. So anyhow, man, look, man, um, let's set up what we were just talking about. I know I'll probably just upload everything. I'm not one to edit. I like the – that's one thing I do appreciate is the – just the genuine effect. I don't want to try to edit things and make them all amazing. Uh, but I do um, – I do want to talk to you about those two songs you loaded up, man. And then we'll kind of get into some of the stuff we talked about scripture. And then I always got opinions. So uh, hopefully they could just be, uh, it'll be a really good time as I anticipate. So yeah, man. So talk to me about those two songs. You, the, the first one, I'll be real honest with you. Uh, let me see. Let me whip them up really quick. The first one, Contact. Yeah. Okay. So that one drove me a little crazy. So, you know, me, that's not really my genre, but um, oh, I thought, that, I thought I thought the opposite. I thought that was up your alley because I thought you liked uh, uh, 
um, I'm thinking like Pedro the Lion, like like uh, local natives, like the like really chill kind of. Uh, I it's it's okay. I don't mean it's bad music. Like like don't interpret that. Um, I remember the local natives, Triple X, all those guys were around. Uh, they were all being listened to, and it was it was cool to hear. But I would never personally uh, drive around. The other one, Sheepdog, though, it reminded me of Me Without You, which is weird because Me Without You is in that genre, and I really like them. And I'll bump them, like, like full on, dude. The album, you know, uh, well, the two of their albums are really, really bumped. But uh, be that as it may, dude, I still dug the content. And it was a little difficult for me to – I'm usually pretty good at putting songs, understanding what someone's saying. Um, and so correct me if I'm wrong, only listen to it twice. Okay, I did my best to try to understand what he was saying. And it sounded like on the song Contact, uh, he was wrestling with the reality of God. Yeah, I think he was, he's, he's wrestling with the existence of the God that he grew up believing was there. You know, the, the very first lines of that uh, song um, says, remember we used to speak, now I'm starting to think that your voice was really my own bouncing off the ceiling back to me. Um, so it's, the the backstory is these guys were a, uh, like a, a pretty, they're a Christian band, but like, and they were a Christian band in the sense like MXPX was a Christian band and Under Oath was a Christian band. They, I, can, I think they kind of just were a part of that Christian genre. Um, yeah, I got you. But, um, and then this, I think they're one of their friends had died. So it kind of comes down to that root problem that I, I think I, I struggle with at the core of it is, um, you know, the problem of pain, um, the pop, the, the problem of suffering that CS Lewis used to struggle with where you're like, um, you know, if, if there really is a God, how could he allow this to happen? Um, why do I have, you know, there's, we, I mean, we've all experienced that. So that's just a, an album coming back, coming out of that, that through that season is basically saying, I'm like crying out to you and I'm not, I'm not getting any response. So I'm starting to think second guess everything that I've ever believed. And at the very um, kind of comes back to this maybe realization or struggle that if there is a God, he must be asleep. Mm. Kind of just repeats that again. He must be asleep. Is um, you know the thought of how could how could uh, how could a all loving, all knowing, all um, caring God allow this to happen to me or to whoever it's happening to? So I can definitely get that. I think we've all been there. Um, you know, you rightfully just said. You know, I don't know how much, you know, I know we met up that day over there nor, near your hood, but uh, I went through a season, bro, where I woke up, just literally, I think I just woke up, dude, said, you're not real. No, this is all nonsense. And then I went on for about 18 months, dude, of, of uh, worldly crushing, just uh, giving the middle finger to every Christian I could, uh, letting every pastor know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, because why do you think that is, man? Why do you think cats come to that realization or that emotional place where they think god has uh, abandoned them i think it's because they can't uh i they can't get their mind around um love and grace looking like suffering um, yeah that's one thing that i i you know 
in scripture we we think grace and blessing like you're when you're talking about in bible study look a certain way that's like getting money that's like getting i don't know more possessions or being happier but sometimes grace looks like suffering and sometimes the most it's not until you look back through the suffering that you look and you go oh yeah I was worth going through that suffering because now I'm in this place and this place is better than, you know, I could have ever imagined, but I, I wouldn't have put myself through that suffering because um, maybe I, I'm too scared. I don't want to go through that kind of change or that, that, mm. that thing. So it's, it's, it's kind of like a double-edged sword where a part of you is, is suffering and you don't want to suffer. Um, but if you've suffered enough in life, looking back at certain things, you see why you had to go through that and the things you learned through that. Um, but I think a lot of Christians or maybe just believers can't get over that struggle, you know, like losing yeah. a child, imagine losing a child. I don't know how you could, uh, you know, have faith in a God that would allow something like that to happen, even though it happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah, man. I can see that. I've kind of, you know, because I've wrestled with these questions myself, I've kind of come to a place too where I believe like, uh, I also think we have a real misconception. Like I'm trying to really see like, like in Christianity, like Western culture has had so much of an impact on the way we think and look, we, we use that lens to interpret scripture. You talked about grace and love. And um, this is one thing I've always like, I'm starting to wrestle with a lot more is uh, that when you see scripture, um, I see it very conditional. Like, I don't see, um, grace and love is all over scripture and that's secondary. And it's usually more, not secondary issue. Uh, it's usually dealing with, uh, salvation, right? That's the grace, something we don't deserve. And the love is usually, um, it's always in him growing us. He disciplines those who he loves and he rewards those who he loves. And so there's a real strong father or adult figure from God, uh, towards us. And what I, I, I feel as we use that love and grace as, um, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer would call it cheap grace, right? We just, we use it in the sense of like, Oh God is love. Therefore it must be this caring, this, this, and we use this whole, this whole salvation experience of grace and love. And we, we only see God through those lens. We don't realize like looking back, like, okay, this God that showed me grace and love right now, he's kind of written, he's got a lot of books written about him and a lot of history showing how he really treats his people. Uh, what it looks like to be disciplined by him. And we'd like to neglect that. And we don't, we don't take that and say, hey, that same God is kind of working in us now. Yes, he did it through a nation. And he's still doing it through the nation. The problem is, the difference is that uh, that nation isn't local to one spot. It's everywhere. I mean, we've been dispersed, you know, from, from the captivities in 700 BCs to, to now, we've just been dispersed. We're all over the place. And we, we, we use the individual salvation experience and, and just display it over God. And we don't look back and say, we are the children of Israel. Like we are the Hebrews. Like, and that same God loves us the same way he's been loving his people ever since. And it's very conditional. Um, and people get scared and they hear that word. What do you mean you got to work for your salvation? No, never even said salvation. Salvation. Like, look, you want to get into the topic of salvation. Look, I, I feel you're born depraved, full of sin and unable to save yourself. And it takes the grace of God to even awaken your soul to bring you to salvation. So, yeah, it's totally grace. But once you're in that relationship, it's very much. And when I say it's conditional not to keep the relationship, God has this unique. And we'll go on. 
you know, the whole elect thing is, a, is another topic. I don't want to go down that road right now because it'll rabbit trail the entire conversation. But his elect, bro, it's conditional. And it's the same condition it has with my wife. My wife and I are married. There's, I can obviously divorce her. Um, I can obviously break the bonds of our marriage. But am I going to be better off um, if I'm watering my wife with the word or if I'm not? I'm going to be more blessed. I don't have uh, more favor in the marriage of the Christian next to me. But if I'm washing her with the word and she's submitting as to, uh, uh, to the Lord as the scriptures teach, is not our relationship going to reflect God a little more? Of course, because we're being obedient to commands. And the word, I, I, the covenant keeps coming to my mind. Oh, it's a covenant. You're right. Because you, you're comparing salvation, that's a covenant. Um, grace, uh, you know, the second covenant with Christ, the covenant you make with your, with your spouse, with your wife. Yeah. Um, covenants have, have deep meaning. And yeah, sorry, that the word just keeps no, I love covenant. I'm glad you brought it up because that's probably a more biblical, that's actually a, a, a more biblical word. He made a covenant with Abraham. You know what I mean? And uh, that covenant, it happened in Genesis chapter 15, and it took place before the nation of Israel because that promise was going to go out to all the world. And it was meant to be God's people, his elect. And so, and yeah, you're right. It's very conditional, dude. Um, and again, people, if you hear this, but we're saved by faith through grace. Yes, you are. Praise God, you know that. Now it says in Hebrews to move on <laughs> from those things, move on from the elementary things of the faith and uh, start to learn about how this relationship works. And uh, it's kind of cool that you brought up Dave and his commitment to the Old Testament because I'm going that route. Like, I'm just trying to see how it works. Like, like understand it because I feel like the whole thing's been really muddied. And so just reevaluating, like, what exactly does the scripture say? Not the Talmud, not what some Jewish people tell me. What does the Bible actually say about these things? Because there's a condition there, you know? And um, I like in my fall, like when I told you a year and a half, what I, the condition that led to that fall was, dude, easily, I quit two things. I quit abiding in Christ. I went with just the info I had and just started running rip shop, just doing my thing. Oh, I know this. And that stopped really praying and fasting. And I didn't have a Sabbath. Dude, years of that, and God just one day just disciplined me. Boom. No more. You need a rest. Your soul is tired. Your marriage is struggling. You need to step back. And so he had to break me, dude. And broke me to the, to the dude, to the, to the, like, literally that passage in John 15, which says, I'm going to get that branch out through the fire. Went through it, dude. Uh, Claudia and I contemplated divorce. We were just total different worlds, dude. I was going back to the graffiti world and just, hip-hop weed and graffiti and she was doing her thing and you know, fortunately we didn't do anything to dishonor the marriage to uh, you know to go that route to for, for divorce but that was all a result due to me not resting a sabbath I, I i i subscribe that entire um season to me neglecting the sabbath the rest of my soul and i have the example in scripture because when um when the nation of israel went into captivity they went into captivity for 70 years. Remember Daniel in the book of Daniel, uh, uh, he's reading and he says, oh, the prophecy of Jeremiah, the 70 years, the land has 70 years of rest. God, yeah. like, I'm, get, I'm getting my rest. And until then, y'all are going into captivity. And I learned, like, it, dude, that's exactly what God did to me. Go ahead. I think that was during a, ju a jubilee. Is that what they call it? Well, every seven years they had a jubilee, yes. And they had to let the land rest, yes. There's seven years, but then there's seven years on the seven, seven year anniversary. <laughs> yeah, 
and then you would have to let let the rent let yeah yeah I, I was having a conversation with um, my girlfriend's um, sister's husband so her brother-in-law he's a pastor in um, Cerritos um, at a church and he is getting his master's in I can't even think of the name of it right now but it had something to do with like fasting and also like like um, Sabbath like economics um, and that was one of the things he was talking to me about was um, why we you know what it looked like with having every seventh year debts being forgiven but every seventh seventh of the seventh year uh, having like a big celebration and and it sounds it, it's it's no uh, it's no coincidence that 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 would be that number that the Bible would use 70 you know seven years like that kind of touches on the question that I have with you because like that number has significance to a Jew to hear the word 70 it, he waited he didn't we didn't hear from God for 70 years you know was it technically 70 years I don't know but does that even really matter it's that number is very important because that symbolizes uh, yeah. yeah well it was definitely 70 years because it's a prophecy um but the seven you're right the seven represents like rest it, it's exactly with the, the initiation of the sabbath and so it's very important for god and, and the reason it's important is what i'm learning is rest means to reflect like it's not to just do nothing like all the structures are there were to uh to help us be spiritual to address the spiritual decay to to in, to empower the spirit and so uh, just like and god made that like i listened to this guy named owen benjamin and he he, he was talking about some music stuff and um i don't know all of this so you're a little more musically savvy than i am but um and if someone listens to this and you're a music expert i think you can take this even further but every seventh chord right is the is the ah the rest the expression of like for instance amazing grace i don't know how the bars work but there's a resolution it's always on the seventh and yeah. he he takes it back to like and we'll get into this more in the music he takes it back onto um modern like hip-hop uh trance music all this stuff that always is attached to the world and and, and I understand there's Christian versions of all of it, but you know where I'm going with, with modern secular music. It's always in cycles of six. And, and, and six is incomplete. It's Satan's number, right? And, and it, it keeps you in a loop. All those songs are just in a loop. And they just keep in this loop, this loop. And there's no, there's no resolve in any of these, this music. It's because it's a constant cycle to keep us in. Uh, that's why it's written the way it's written. When you go back into the 60s, when rock came out, it was written in those patterns for that cycle to keep going. Um, and so he takes it really far. And uh, because I, I, but I don't have a problem with it because, um, you know, you talked about as we started how you speak and um, connect with God through music. I, I think there's so much truth to that, dude. I, that's why, um, and it's always been that argument does hip hop create bad habits and like yeah absolutely dude there will be a huge difference between a girl who's listening to lady gaga um you know lady gaga uh, cardi b uh, you know in that whole world there, there's going to be a different influence on a girl's life who listens to that and then someone who's listening to something that's wholesome and with uh, that that comes into the seventh and gives resolution and promotes uh different values and um i i fully believe when the bible says that that god uh satan is the god of this age i feel like christians have a really hard time accepting that on a grand scheme 
And that I believe he uses influencers, man, to influence us through music to keep us in loops. I'm definitely um, believing that. And I think that's why that music and that song resonates with your soul. You could speak to it, you know, and God, I do believe speaks and I do believe Satan can deceive through music because it's very emotional. You know, your connection to motion, to, to music is very emotional. You know, it's, it's, um, it's probably why I'm not a big fan of worship. I don't know why I'm this weird. I'm only, God doesn't really impact me emotionally. He impacts me intellectually. Like I have to think. I think it's interesting to have a conversation because we, 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 I feel like we experience God on polar opposite things because like you said, like you don't really, and you've said it in the past in your other podcasts that, you know, you struggled with worship in your past and you, um, something about it just really almost gets in the way instead of helping you connect Mm -hmm. and like Joe and like me, it's the exact opposite. That's (laughs) how we connect, like in the words like, I mean, I remember him saying like, and I, I, it made me like flashback to when I've been in that position where you, you're up there on a Sunday and you're like, I don't even know if I believe this. I'm about to sing about this. And I don't even know if I believe this right now, but I, that I, I, I have to sing it. And I, and I know that if I align my, my, the words of my mouth, it somehow aligns the, the voice of my heart. And then those words start to penetrate. And in the middle of a song speaking about faith, you can sing it starting out with no faith and end it with this abundance of faith, you know? Mm, that's um, great. So I'm, I just think it's just funny because me, we, we, you know, you were just saying that you, you, you know, that, that kind of, we can, you can struggle with that. That can hinder you. Yeah. Touching back a little bit what you were talking about, it makes me think of Psalms where you're talking about rest because in the Psalms it's written like a seah or selah, which Hello, yeah. your means or represents rest. So that's it's like as you're reading that, you're supposed to kind of almost take a breath and like digest what you just read. Mm. Or um, yeah, I think that's really cool. Absolutely, man. And <clears throat> it also leads us to that second song from Sheepdog. Now, that song was really cool because that gets us into kind of like uh, – uh, the real agenda what I have behind music is the control factor. Now, do, don't get me wrong or, 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 or blah, blah, blah. correct me if I'm wrong. He is now talking about um, blindly following things because he was, I'm sorry, dude. I, I should have listened to it a few more times, dude. I was talking to my wife and a uh, little rabbit trail here. We'll get back to sheepdog. Um, I was talking to her today and I'm going to be honest with you, man, because I, I want men to be encouraged. And if you know anything about my podcast and the ministry that God is calling me to, I just want to uh, help men be men and put the priest home back, priesthood back in the home. And uh, because I believe that's where, that's where, he, that's where the Christian strength is going to start. And I think that's where God is going to use us. And that's where, um, that's how we reach people, man, is strengthening the home. And what's all broken. Um, you know, even to the, even to like a parent, they think discipleship is sending a child to youth group. Man, no, no, that's the sprinkle to the cupcake, man. You are the disciple. And hopefully this whole thing where everybody went back in the home can put that value back in place. And that's why I started doing what I've done. I resigned from the church role that I've had. And I said, you know, I'm just going to take a group of men as they come. Women too. But it's about priesthood in the home and the church in the home and looking at the Sunday gathering a little different. But as it may, um, back to, to the music element where he is talking about 
correct me if I'm wrong, being influenced and just knowing things through through him being taught, right? Like, ah, uh, how does he start that song off? Like, he just essentially, he's just programmed. He, he's been programmed to believe what he believes. Uh, am I right or wrong? Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's the, the lyrics are, uh, they fixed your brain when you were young. Yes. Brain when you were young. They fixed your brain when you were young. Um, can't think of the next line. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, it's, it, I, and it's, it kind of comes touching back on what, uh, like with where me personally, I know Travis, a few other people, um, grew, literally grew up in the church, in a church, specifically a small like Nazarene and um, oh yeah, I'm sorry, I just remember the lyrics. They fixed your brain when you were, you were young before you knew the difference. And it's like when you get indoctrinated so young, you just know certain things or you just have always known something to be a certain way and um, not not known what it's to what it's like to be like to not have that kind of faith or that kind of like knowledge like an example would be it was uh I, we were driving i was driving home from work uh and there was these hills and they had these um clouds like a low-hanging clouds and it just looked very uh beautiful but mysterious and i made a comment and i said man it kind of reminds me of like moses going up um Sinai uh, to go get the Ten Commandments just because of thinking oh. imagery of like a you know a cloud hanging over and that's like the presence of God. Well, I grew up as a kid hearing that story, you know. So I've only heard one story and gotten into more detail and the theology and the science behind it. And but when you say that out loud to somebody that's never like didn't grow up in the church the same way I did, with such conviction about talking about someone going up a hill and having a cloud right on a tablet or <laughs> a person on a tablet to then like, these will be the rules for his people. You'd be like when you break it down and you haven't heard that story of her life, that sounds kind of crazy. Like it, it's, it, <laughs> it sounds, <laughs> you know, it just sounds kind of crazy. Um, and it, it, that's why that song kind of triggers it for me. Cause like, I, I won't know any other way. Like I won't, that's in my mind, that's is, is truth, but it's also what I've heard my entire life. So I don't know any, anything other than that. Um, yeah. That song talks about that, you know, when you're taught something from a really young age, it doesn't become yours in faith. It, it becomes yours out of duty, out of responsibility, sometimes just out of habit and comfort because that's what you've always you know, that's what we grew up doing and you never questioned yeah. whether it was right for you or what it, whether it was right in general, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then it, it, later in the song talks about like basically being like a good boy, like if, if good boys you know, like do their job and you know, they, they keep smoke out of their lungs and liquor out of their veins, like they're going to be wow. just fine. You know, we've all, yeah. the case at all, you know? Those are just actions that you think are saving you, but they're not. No, and you're spot on. You know what I've noticed? One thing that, um, like, in this whole COVID stuff, um, like, just when I watched the church, when it first all happened, I, I, I was kind of already in this place where I was stepping back. Um, I had two weeks before even anything really got hot, I had already 
hey, I need to step down. I don't want to be involved. It's just, and then it happened and I was like, okay, thank God I sat down. But one of the things that, one of the things I wrestled with is uh, I started to looking at the church and I've become someone who just asks a lot of questions, Diego. And I feel like not enough questions are ever asked. And the small question is why? And there's a lot of probe, like, why do we gather like this on a Sunday, right? Like, for instance, why are we so obsessed with reaching the world, right? That's, that's, dude, I will light a fire with that one, right? Why, what, what, you're supposed to reach the lost. What, you don't read your scriptures, which says, go, therefore, make disciples. Yeah, totally. I, but I'm just, I'm curious, why, why is it so important that we gather on a Sunday and, and just focus everything on the lost? Like, I'm not following that. Can, can you answer that for me? Yeah, dude, we're supposed to make disciples of the world and, and, and we got to reach the world. And Okay, where does it say that in the Bible? Well, we'll go there for make disciples. And, and I'm sure there's more scriptures. I'm, I'm being facetious about it. Uh, serious, but I'm using a facetious line. Um, and they'll go back to a few verses and a few missions. And they say, well, what is that mission? Therefore, go there, go there for make disciples of the world. Oh, okay, cool. Well, I'm started doing that on Tuesday nights. Right now, currently, I got, I got, uh, I got five people. Uh, technically, there's six. One didn't show up. Then there's possibly a seventh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you, but that's not true discipleship. You gotta make sure they, uh, 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 they come to church on a Sunday. Well, why? I mean, the one dude just stopped having sex with his girlfriend, stopped smoking weed, and he has now got a full time job, and he's trying to save to propose to. Like, he's trying to build structures that are pretty biblical. Yeah, we gotta even connect to a church. Why? You know, do you see where I'm going with this? Like, why is this structure so important? And then really when you come down to it, I, I'm going to be real honest with you, dude. And, and I do believe in the value of good theology. We can go down that route. And, and I subscribe to more of a reformed theology. Um, so those of you know, um, if, you, if you are wondering how I might, where my theological paradoxes, I'm, I'm reformed. Now, but why do we gather this way on Sunday? There's nothing wrong with asking that. And why is it so inter so when I read scripture, it, it doesn't tell us to gather for non-believers. Matter of fact, it says Jesus is going to build his church. Matter of fact, it says that the Holy Spirit will will guide and convict uh, will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Um, and we start to look at what, what what discipleship is. You can and look, I'm not trying to say the church is wrong. It's it's corrupt. And these there's a lot of corruption in the church. And I believe that it it, it sold itself to reach the believers so it can grow numbers and look a certain way. Um, I think it's now becoming um, um, a victim to its own crowd. They begged for the non-believers so much. Well, now the non-believers eating them up. Telling them can't even. You guys can't even meet. Just shut up with your buildings and all your debt. You know, um, and, and 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 just asking simple questions, bro. Like, why do we do this thing? And what I've learned is there's no new thoughts. A lot of what's going around in Christianity is trying to rehash old things um, and trying to really please Luther and Calvin. If you're a reform and if you're, you know, if you're a dispensationalist, it's trying to please, you know, the Chuck Smiths and the Billy Grahams of the world and, and et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and really, it really, it I call them Bible lawyers. They're you're people lot. who, what's that? You're, you're using some real theological language with Calvin and Luther. And Good. I, that's, that's where I, that's, personally, that's where I lost a lot. I feel like I lost a chunk of my faith was I just dove into the, <laughs> I dove into the semantics too hard and got myself muddled up. I mean, like, that's why I would ask the question that I asked about, you know, most of the people I think in the church, 
don't even understand the question of inerrancy and um, infallibility, you know, or, or like truly what sanctification calls us to be like, I, I you know, I just, that's, that's where I kind of like, you know, I feel like when you dive into the theology of things, it, it almost like it, it, it brings up more questions than answers. And then like, like you're saying, you're, you're jumping into the, the, the semantic, like the, the semantics of a church, you know, like of four walls, what does that look like? Why do we have to meet? Why do we have to, you know, bring you through the, you know, the, the typical church machine and get you plugged in right away get you a welcome packet get you in a discipleship group get you a one-on-one like you know mentor spiritual guy yeah sorry i just went on a rant (laughs) no that's okay and i want to i want to make it clear that that does have benefits to people and and there are many people who go through that 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 structure that system and they they do repent and change and become a blessing to their family and their community. But I think overall, I think people like you and I, there's what I call the empties. Like there's people like you and I who don't really fit in the church. And I like when you said, uh, brought up, um, and I could fit in the church, but I don't. Let me tell you why. You, you, and I'm going to use something you said where I was using a semantics and, and biblical language. Yes, I'm using theological language, but biblical language is super important. And I've been told so many times when I preach, don't use the word sanctification. Why? Well, because a non-believer doesn't know what that means. That's not my problem. Like that's a biblical word. You think, you think my, my, I, I'm a believer that when you just speak what's biblical, because Jesus says, if you lift me up, I will draw men to myself, right? Just like Moses did with the serpent. Yeah. I just think he, he does it. You just got to honor his word. Like we have, we have the book of Nehemiah and the dude starts reading the old Testament. And he's just reading it. There's no barrier. Well, yes, it does say there's interpretation. There, it's making it clear. But it's not like they're going into these theological, well, this is the hypostatic union. And they're not going into these big, well, that wouldn't have been a reality then, but they're not going into these big theological um, topics. They're simply speaking God's word. And people are being awakened. Through their lens, though. Through their lens. Yeah, through the lens of the Bible being literal. There's no other lens to take it. It's, it's a book. Scripture said that you said that, that, that it, through you said he he didn't just read it he was like making it clear, right? Yeah, yes. Like for instance, w- uh, when he would talk about this. Now I'm going to assume because it doesn't tell us exactly what he's teaching, but let's just say. But he does tell us what they're doing. They're neglecting God's law. So make it very clear is he is reading from the Torah, the five books of Moses, making it clear this is the Sabbath and we worship God, X, Y, and Z. He didn't go get the Talmud and say, here's what Father blah, 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 or Rabbi blah, 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 blah said. Now we have to put these structures. No, he just read the words. Here's what God says about the Sabbath. And he may just put simple skin on it. People knew it. Just like you know it. Just like when I'm talking to you about biblical things. And people know biblical language. It's not difficult to decipher. And it's not difficult to even ask a question. And the lens, because the words don't change. We just want, see, and that's the thing. We just became so obsessed with saying, I want a non-believer because I believe the church is just obsessed with numbers growing, becoming bigger. It's as a money market now. I mean, pastors make buckets of money, dude. And so there's an incentive to want to keep drawing people in and growing. So there's an incentive. They are incentivized. Um, I don't think, I don't think they're all corrupt and trying to, to deceive people, but I think, in, I think just through the nature of that process, they're incentivized to dumb down language and to be more uh, trendy or more, um, to be more um, 
you know, uh, what's the word, man? Uh, attractive, not attractive, but um, relatable. And they'll forsake biblical words and give these long interpretations, but it loses its value, brother. You know, God gave a structure and he gave words and they call us to something higher. We keep dumbing it down. There's an effect to that. And if we keep dumbing it down to people who don't, let's be honest, bro. I know you wrestle with your faith and I know you're in seasons, but let's be honest. The world, okay, the world, when I say the world, the people who are not of the Bible, the Bible is very clear. It tells us that they hate us. And as a matter of fact, the Bible is very clear that never to seek their approval or love. Like it is clear as day, that is more black and white than hell in the Bible, right? But we make hell black and white and we make reaching non-believers very gray. And and Bible Bible's very clear that they will hate us and but not to I, seek their friendship. Sorry. The thing that I struggle with me personally the most, I mean, and you've said it a, a bunch of times, it, you're referring to the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. I just don't, I, I don't... It, I think maybe we just hold the Bible up to a different, we, we, we view it differently. I, I don't, I do not view it as God's unending unspeaking word. I mean, it's, I, I think it is, it's, I think it has a lot of knowledge. I think it has a lot of wisdom. I, I just, I view it from less of a literal sense, you know, um, yeah. where I, I, and again, that's where I, I, I even ask that question is because at the end of the day, everything you're saying is, is correct. If you believe like we have to have the same root and for you, that is the word of God. That's the Bible. If that's not that for me, then it's like, I, I can only line myself up so much when that's not my root. That's not my base. Yeah. Like have, strangely enough, since I've felt this way or been public about feeling this way, have I been drawn to wanting to read the Bible more than I ever did when I actually believed that it was the word of God? A hundred percent. That's what's, that's why I feel like I fit completely into your, your, the group that you're talking about, the un, unclears or <laughs> the empties, baby, the empties. Cause I'm, cause I'm saying, Hey church, when I went to church on a regular basis, when I believed the Bible was the word of God, I felt empty, lost, let down, um, all these unfavorable feelings. The second that I finally let it go is where I feel the closest to it now. What, why, you know? Yeah, I I honestly believe, honestly, Diego, I believe, now I know what you just said about scripture and God will clear that up as you continue to grow with him because yeah, I I would definitely um, believe it's infallible and it's inherent. I would say there, there, and I'm going to contradict myself because there's obviously mistakes in the Bible. Okay. When I say mistakes, the, it's like trying to uh, translate Spanish into English. There's multiple words for one word. You know what I mean? And then you have to interpret it when it comes to English. We could go on that route, but, but overall the nature of, and this is what I'll say it's perfect in scripture. Uh, obviously there's a lot more to this, but um, our relationship to God and his method of salvation and his guidelines for our life. I believe all that is infallible. I, I believe it's, it's perfectly there for us and it, and it will lead someone um, i think the biggest struggle we have and i think what you're wrestling with brother um, and i could be wrong man it's just observing um and i'm gonna you know me man i'll we've engaged this, we reawoken this relationship dude i will uh, uh you know me i will walk hand in hand with you as long as you want down this road but i, I truly believe you're wrestling with some of the uh biblical what i call bible lawyers you're, you're dealing with what the bible lawyers have 
forced on you. I remember, and I won't get in anything specific, but I remember a certain struggle you went through. And I, and, and I remember you wanting to honor God. And I remember you doing the things the church would say, that's a good little boy, Diego. And I think, you know what, the Bible, and, and I was one of them, brother, so I may have failed you myself. But I would say this, in hindsight, I would say, no, the Bible, the Bible's calling Diego to be a man. Yes, what we're saying is manly, but let's take a step back. Let's, let's address, address this in a different light. Um, and I think we can add that to so many issues that you've gone through in your, your structure in the church. It's just like, Paul says it clear. And I believe this is the, 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 the fall of the church. This is where the fallacy of the church enters and, and distorts our faith. We don't know how to separate, am I pleasing man or am I pleasing God? Because there's this emphasis on the pastor and there's this emphasis on doing for the church, but it's just draining. It's draining. And there's this lack of, of spiritual fulfillment because at the end of the day, I believe when, when Paul, we ended there, uh, we hit a really uh, high point in Galatians when we talked last Tuesday, you can't serve God and man at the same time. It's impossible. You will struggle and you will. And I think you and I both are coming out of that. And I think what you're doing, brother, you're in a season where you're peeling off. I think what you're learning is like what's infallible to you is you're feeling like, oh, that's the Bible lawyer. And then you open the Bible. Okay, this, I can get along with this. Oh, no, that's the Bible lawyer. And that stuff holds us down, bro. People just trying to make sure their denomination is right, that their, their, their group has it. Their group is leading the church. There's so much of that. And that's Western thinking. It's not biblical thinking at all. And I think our souls have finally gotten frustrated with it. And, 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 and you or me, I'll speak me personally, I didn't have the courage to say this is wrong. So God said, okay, I'm going to break you. And when I build you back up, you'll be able to stand and say, no, mm -mm. I'm going to speak up because there's empties out there. I have know a bunch of people who love you, Lord, but the church, mm -mm. I'm going to tell you something, bro, what, what lit my eyes up. Get, get low on that. Look, I saw you looking down there. <laughs> It's getting low. <laughs> I wanted to do this thing, right? And this is my last run, bro, as youth pastor. I said, I'm going to do this thing. I spent literally eight solid weeks putting this whole thing together for a Halloween thing. Some circumstances take place. Nothing that should have affected me. Um, I don't want to get into detail because it's neither here nor there. But um, I sat down and like, hey, we can't really do that. Why? Why can't we do that? I've been working this so long. We have to change the whole structure. Why? Well, we just have to. Well, why? Like, I literally, I'm doing this for free. I mean, not like I'm paid. So I was like, dude, why are you putting such a burden on me? And he goes, well, first of all, your mission, the, the outreach you're doing, it appeals to the lowest common denominator. And once those words, I was like, oh, and then the city won't like it. Right there, wrong. Okay, this church wants to impress the city. You're telling me that that's the lowest common denominator. The high school... Diego, literally across the street, okay, closer to uh, College Avenue than my house. That's how close the high school is to this church. It's literally across the street. Building, building. You know, at least I was building house, my house. It's right. building, building, brother. No, that's your people. That church is filled with black and Asian hip-hop, graffiti-loving Mexican kids, dude, and I am that dude. You don't think so? Since I left the church, why don't you see what I did? When I sat there in downtown LA and spoke to the top graffiti writers face-to-face, -face, they all sat there in silence because of my past. They respect who I was. 
preach the gospel to them. God invited, hey, can you come share more about your faith to my group personally? Got to go and have lunch with 12 of them. And you're telling me that's the lowest common denominator? Nah, man, that's the empties. That's who God is calling me to. I got to get out of this structure because you guys are trying to please the world. You're godly. You're badass. Your, your theology is on point. What you're doing is great. You're crushing it. But my people are lost. And, and, they, and they're empty. And they need to be filled. And God's calling me to them. I don't know what it looks like. But you know what? I do know what it is. It's not this. It's yeah. not this. Because this is a burden. And um, people will be blessed. Hey, man, you know someone who comes born again, a harvest crusade, they go to church and they become the, the, the praise God. Praise God. You got a man who, 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 who repented and now he's doing different. But you know what, man? That's not my world. God has called me to the people who are just like, dude, I can't deal with this. What is going on? And um, I call them the empties. It's because they, they, they just have no place. The church is empty of them. And um, they're longing. And, um, and I think that's a lot what you're wrestling with, bro. And it could be real, man. You could come to a place, no, man, Scotty, I, I really believe the Bible is a good book of wisdom, but it's not God. You may, you may land there, okay? But I would say I do believe the genesis of both of our frustrations came from that. Just getting rid of the church, all the baggage. Yeah, yeah, definitely, 100%. Um, I just, uh, I've, yeah, theology, I used, I used to, I still, I find it fascinating. I find it interesting. Uh, I have, I feel like I have this strange, like, knowledge and this also, this and thirst for more knowledge um, from the Bible, but just my, my relationship with it just, just changes, you know? It, it could start one way, it, it could be this way, Who who knows? what it'll look like, but, um, something obviously deep within me resonates with, uh, a truth about it. You know, when I hear those yeah. stories, when I, uh, when I talk to people like you, there's certain things that come to mind that I'm like, Oh, I haven't talked about that in five years because I, I you know, I, I just haven't really found it to be true. But then now in this moment, I'm, I'm realizing something, you know? Mm. Yeah. But that's, that's why I'm, 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 I'm excited to be part of your Tuesday group and just kind of open the door back that you know, back up into my life for whatever it may be. So, yeah. Well, dude, I love this, man. I, I love chatting with you, man. Um, I was blessed. I do. When I invited you and you jumped on, I was like, oh, I told dude, I literally ran home. I was like, dude, Diego was going to join us. I was like, really? I'm so blessed by this. You do not know. Uh, yeah, man, I got nothing but love for you, dude. And, um, I'm stoked. I'm stoked. I'm, I'm down to do more podcasting. So I, uh, let's see. I wrote some questions down, but we kind of covered them all, to be honest with you, dude. Out of order, but we covered them all. We really crushed it. You know, it's the trip, though, brother. And one thing that I think we have to realize this, too, right? We're willing to accept, like, uh, I'm willing to believe, and a lot of Christians are willing to believe that people can be deceived through music. But they don't apply that same logic to the own worship music they listen to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you the, uh, the story that I've, I've said a lot of times? But I, it opened it really opened my eyes to um, to a truth that you're speaking to, and that's um, I, I, there's this worship um, band now. They're not even a team. They used to be a team for Biola. They're called uh, they're called now they're called For All Seasons, and they're like they're now like a pretty big Christian band. Um, 
I saw them one time and I was doing worship for at, uh, College Avenue. I think that probably was during the time with you. And they asked me, they go, hey, um, you know, what have you been up to? Let them know, oh, I'm doing, you know, I have this band, but I'm also leading worship on Sundays and the main service on Wednesdays. At this. They're like, cool, hey, are you playing, um, are you playing covers or are you playing originals? I said, covers? What do you mean covers? They're like, you know, like the music you're playing, are you, are you writing it for your church? Or are you like, going to LLC, like, you know, CCII, like Christian, you know, Phil Wickham. <laughs> yeah. And, and playing one of those songs. And it kind of opened my eyes to the thought of, well, yeah, the whole point of worship was to write music for your church, for what you, the group that you, like, what you were going through. That's what Psalms is all about. And what we have been doing is taking a, uh, an example like a senior pastor going okay this week we're going to talk about hope going to the ccli typing in the word hope and getting all the top hope worship songs and then singing those songs versus taking the time to write a song that is for your church that cries out for hope in such a personal way that it causes you to have this moment with your creator that's the more, that's the bigger responsibility. That's what worship is. Not, you know, not going to a computer and typing in something and getting an idea and getting out exactly what key do you want it in? Oh, we'll do it like this. And yeah, when you're doing that week after week, it really does feel mechanical and it doesn't feel like you're actually engaging. But when you take the time to sit down, like that's why I was so, so excited for what was happening up in Northern California and like uh, with um, Mars Hill when that first started and how they were right. They were taking these worship teams and they were writing songs for their communities, you know? Yeah. So they were writing songs for their church. Teens <laughs> Kaleidoscope was writing songs for their church. Yeah. And yeah. They were hits. Well, no duh when when you're when you're being that raw in my opinion when you're being that raw god's gonna bless like of course he's gonna bless that because it's it's you're you know like joe man can you imagine the hits joe man could write if you just wrote songs about your church like and, and see seeing that like flourish and blossom but then it obviously came apart but i was so excited for that movement because i feel like that was a really true you know for before that time all that was happening was these wonderful people down in Australia um, were writing, and Phil Phil Wickham were writing every single worship. Hey, song. hey, don't you forget about Chris Tomlin, bro? Chris Tomlin, okay. <laughs> Chris Tomlin, aka Phil Wickham Jr., um, was was <laughs> writing songs. But like, you know, why were why weren't we able to engage that? And it took someone simple comment saying, "Hey, are you playing covers?" to like burst that open in my head. Wow. Now, now think that through, D. Diego. <clears throat> Imagine just you know, Diego, play your song up there on stage. Ah, a non-believer comes. Ah, I don't want to go to a coffee shop. I can't. I don't know what's going on. That music wasn't all polished up. It's not entertaining. Do you hear I'm going that? Like it's that wouldn't draw the lost. It wouldn't grow yeah, a church. Yeah, because you're right. Because if the church is is 
because those are church shoppers. I've been a church shopper myself. It's it's you get a bunch of free stuff. It's it's nice. You get a bunch of free cups. You get a bunch of free. <laughs> but at the end of the day, if your goal is to try to build your con- congregation, you're you're a numbers person. So you're about quantity. Yes, you're right. That won't work. But that's what I saw in the Marcel movement before it hit the wall. Oh, yes. It wasn't about quantity because these were, that's what felt so, I call it axy because like the book of Acts, it was so axy because Ooh. it was a bunch of these really small churches. They were like the size of of College Avenue, which could maybe pack out like 200 at the rim. But because there was, in my opinion, the Holy Spirit was really moving. You had that happening like all over around them. And together they were called Mars Hill, but really they were all these independent churches. Yeah. That was, which was, it was happening. And, and I feel like the closest thing that I've witnessed to it was House of Grace. I mean, I really, really liked, liked the leadership there. And they were, you know, they were, they were just, meeting in an old piano store and people were flocking to them because something was happening there you know yeah they were definitely ahead of their time and unfortunately uh not ran well because uh they would be very epic dude they they had a lot of potential and i would say this man yeah i love the marcel movement i think citizens were uh that first two albums were just off the charts whoa the content was deep they were they were creating their own stuff and producing. They were not replicating anything. All those cats were, you know, uh, Dustin Kins. And Dustin had a little more. He was a little older, but uh, they were still. He's kind of the godfather of all of them, dude. Right? Am I not mistaken? Like he's Dustin Kins. Dustin Kinser. He was kind of like the godfather of that whole Mars. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He he and that's yeah. He ran that, but yeah, he he kind of tried to be more behind the scenes because he knew beat his him being involved was going to draw people to it. But he was kind of. He was just a part of the process, which I thought was beautiful. Is that like, not only was their music catchy, but their lyrics were um, fundamentally sound. You know, like what they were talking about was biblically on point. They weren't just rhyming words, and they had a process because they would submit their like lyrics to like an elder, and the elders would be like, "Yes, we, you know, this is we we are on board for this." Wow. Or, you know, not just because that you know that word rhymes with this. Way. Yeah, so. I, I part of that board, that all the board. Yeah. And I think that goes to show something, man. And um, there is a beauty when we allow just God's people to be free. Um, don't have to micromanage them and put legalism on them. Um, and I would say this, brother, two of the most beautiful worship songs I ever, ever, ever heard in my life. And I probably never even told you this. Probably because I don't even know the name. But um, I don't even know if you would call it a worship song. I'll say there's three of them. But it's the one you wrote for Alabaster Stones. Um, it's, it, um, it was in the key of C. And um, I know you know what I'm talking about. I don't remember all the lyrics, but I remember singing it. We crushed it, dude. And I got to play banjo. We were horsing around. Yes, to those of you listening, I play a modif- I played a modified banjo style. I was a bass player, a very generic lead guitarist who <laughs> took that to banjo and made it work. I made it work because Diego crushed it. Joe, we had freaking Joe and Rod that were just creating gold in the background. And then Travis, Travis was a little weirdo, huh? Just putting like just gold. And it was just always great. It was chemistry. Remember the kids were flocking to our music. We were, we would be off key. It didn't matter. We were just, we were crushing, dude. But 
um, you you wrote a song for Alabaster Stone. It had a worship element to it. And Jill wrote a song, um, Where Does My Help? I'm changing the lyrics, but Where Does My Help Come From? I'm changing the name. He uses that song, Where Does My Help Come From? It comes from you, maker of heaven. That's a beautiful worship song. And then the, um, I Will Wait by um, Mumford's and Sons. I think it's a beautiful, to me, it's a beautiful cry to God. Oh, that yeah. song, I Will Wait. But um, I would say this, man, you feel free on a Tuesday night. Please share a song, brother. Bless us. Whatever God is speaking to you, the things you know, honestly, man, the things you're wrestling with, because I know young men like uh, Daniel and Ruben would be blessed by it, as, as I would. And um, yeah. you, you always have that liberty, man. Yeah, I need to pick it back, pick it back up. Yeah, I've been crushing it. I've been sitting here with my guitar. It's just playing a lot, dude. Oh, it's out of key. <laughs> it's out of tune. I've been um, been just trying to really uh, worship God because, yeah, dude, I do struggle with the uh, corporate. But when I'm by myself, dude, and I could just play a C and F, maybe I'll take like a country riff that I know, and I just put like I put my heart to it. And I feel about you right now, God. Or here I'm angry at my wife. God help me with this. And yeah, it's just fun, man. Well, Diego, it's been a blessing. Were you gonna say something? Nope. That's it, but I was about to say I'm about to go eat dinner. Yeah, man. Well, hey brother, it's been a blast, dude. We'll upload this, man. We gotta do it again. Gotta do it again earlier. Um, I want some of that energy. And um, but yeah, man, I really appreciate you taking the time and joining me and just discussing this. It's really blessed me, bro. I'm glad I'm glad we reconnected and uh, being inspired. And so here for you, man. Tell your right. lovely uh, girlfriend, I'd love to meet her. Her name is Heidi. Heidi. You tell Heidi I said hello. I'm a future yeah. friend. <laughs> and uh, man, we'll reconnect, brother. Take care, man. Peace out. Right. Well, y'all, that has been another edition of uh, Bear With Me. That was Diego Blakely and myself. Um, and he's such a blessing. That guy uh, is a good dude. He was one of the more genuine cats that I, uh, that I knew uh, in the faith, you know? He was genuine. He was someone that when you would meet and you would chat with, he, honestly, he was an open book. He was, there was no guy on him. And uh, I've always appreciated that about Diego. Always wanted to do his right. Always wanted to um, be a blessing. And always thought of others, man. He's a good dude. And so I'm very fortunate that he joined me today. And I hope you all were blessed. Please let us know, man, if there's anything else you'd like to chat about. Um, uh, this has been fun. If you'd like to see me and Diego chat some more, me and Joe, I'm open to this. Uh, I definitely want to do some more interviews. So hope you're blessed. This has been another edition of Bear With Me, the random conversation version. And anyhow, please write a review. Please give a share and please give a like. Take care, y'all. God will convict you if you sin. Peace out.